Hello and welcome to another edition of the Pekin Valley Podcast. My name is Murad Shaki. I am joining you from the lovely San Francisco. Joining me as always is Jameson Wells in Kansas City, Missouri. Hi, Jameson. Best city in the Midwest. Nice uh, nice to be with you again. It's been a minute. Not a high bar to pass, but it's also nice to be with you as well. <laughs> I mean, I guess like only Chicago is standing in your way, but also Chicago's real cool. Chicago's nice. Kansas City's better. I don't... I mean... Okay. Shut up. <laughs> I was watching Fargo uh, today, which is a real good show. Um, it's like kind of a weird slow burn, because it's not that it starts out slow or, or bad at all. It actually starts out real good. But as it goes on, you just think it's like, oh, this is just a solid show. And then it uh, goes fucking crazy. But a part of it was in Kansas City. I was like, hey... I've been there. They cook yeah. meat good. Oh, real good. And we covered it in this nice sauce. Mm. It's like a like a barbecue-ish sauce. Yeah, something like that. A, l- a little more... It just has a little more Kansas City to it than other barbecue sauces. Okay, anyway. Uh, I saw... I finished... So... I finished finals today. And, oh, uh, nice. Today was, like, the easiest one I had, so it really felt like I finished finals yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it was my... I ended with my, with a research paper in my Islam class, and I finished the research paper b- before the Islam final. So as soon as I walked out of my Islam class, I was, like, walking tall and real happy with myself because I'd done well on about everything. Uh, so then I'm walking to my bus station, and mm-hmm. I see this homeless guy kind of, like, by a car like on the curb just like dancing to himself and like my bus stop is on hate street so homeless people are are just an essential part of that walk like there's no (laughs) avoiding them not even that i want to avoid them it's just that is part and parcel with both san francisco and hate street specifically uh so i'm walking by him uh i took a look at him he i don't know was wearing clothes and, like, his pants were sagging a bit. And this girl who's, like, skating behind me, like, she's on, like, this mini green skateboard, like, passes me. Her eye catches the homeless guy, and she immediately gets off her board and drops her bag. And uh, and I mean bag, like, shopping bag, not, like, purse. Uh-huh. Uh, and that'll matter. That will matter later. Um, immediately picks up the skateboard, hits the dude in the back with it. Uh, and tells him, uh, like, something along the lines of, like, didn't you hear what I said, what I told you last night, or something along those lines, like, apparently there was prior conflict, and because I didn't get a good look at her, um, before the conflict started, I thought this might have been mutual homeless beef, which I've witnessed before, Uh uh, and, you know, like, when I, when there might be prior history to a conflict i don't step in because it is especially not my place because who knows maybe that guy's a bastard and he deserves what he's getting but while he's while she's hitting him i notice a pink iphone in her back pocket and i look at the bag on the floor and it's from like a designer clothing store Mm -hmm. uh so i immediately realize this is a fortunate person hitting an unfortunate person yeah so i don't step in uh Basically, because by the time I've deduced all this, he, it, he, she has 
chased him off. Poor guy. Um, but I asked her, I was like, can, what was that about? And she said that he, she had seen him the previous night uh, in the same place with the same saggy pants and that his like genitalia were exposed and that there were kids that go up and down the street, which I'm going to stop the story right there. I go up and down hate street every goddamn day. That is not a place where kids hang out. That is Hayden Ashbury is like historical for being like the hippie headquarters. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's all stoners, homeless people, bars and record stores. Uh, this actually happened outside of Amoeba Records, which is a per- particular, like a big uh, destination in San Francisco. Um, so, uh, she said that she had warned him, and he was there again. And I, I got a good look at the guy before; his nuts were not out. You know, nothing was exposed. And even if they were exposed, what makes you this fucking street warrior authority? Like, he could be mentally ill. Like, you have absolutely zero... Fucking... Alright, my ESPN thing went off. So even if his genitalia were exposed, what makes her this, like, fucking street authority warrior? She has absolutely no right to do this. And I told her that, like, she didn't... She should be careful because people call the cops on people and she like rolled her eyes and said she wasn't worried got on her skateboard and then like skated with some of her friends that like i don't think saw anything they were like at the end of the block uh and skated into golden gate park i picked up my phone or took it out of my pocket and i immediately called the police and provided a very detailed description of what had just happened and left my name and number uh and when was this this was yesterday and God damn. Man, it was not a fun thing to see. Yeah, that's uh that's awful. What um, a privileged piece of shit. Like to think yeah, that it's geez. there because like I told I was talking to my family about it afterwards and my dad brought up the point which I had also thought but he put into words really well which is like people like that even if they're claiming to be like like some street justice, they probably just wanted to hit somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, that's that's, That's one just an thing angry, about violent person. Yeah, one thing about privileged people is they kind of take the privilege of policing other people, yeah. which oftentimes doesn't end well for. Like even in the worst case scenario, he would still be the victim. Yeah, she yeah. assaulted a man for something that, even if he did do that, it I would not say it's her place to mm-hmm. assault somebody like that. Call the police. There's a number of things she should have done before assaulting him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, on to lighter things. Um, I can tell that things are going, I won't say well, but things are going better in my life when I'm taking an active interest in consuming culture, like watching as many new movies and like uh, listening to as much new music and stuff like that uh, as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh because that means that I'm not in a state of, like, depressed apathy, which is something I'm very uh, familiar with. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I say that to transition to, I've watched a lot of movies and listened to a lot of music, played a lot of games. Uh, you told me that you've read uh, a lot of literature, and I was thinking we could have this uh, fun culture podcast. What do you think? I'm all about it. I've read some good books, and I've read more good books. 
Okay. Well, oh, I also read books, I guess. Crazy. Well, I read book. I read American Psycho while I was in Cancun, which is, like, my friend Robert, like, he did a similar thing where he was in Hawaii and he read Cormac McCarthy's The Road and it, like, totally <laughs> fucked up his, like, the beautiful scenery for him <laughs> because he was reading about, like, the post-apocalypse while he was in Paradise. And he yeah. didn't so much, like, ruin my, like, beach-going experience or not, but it was, like, I was reading on the beach and I was reading about, like, a man in... There is a very, there are very, several very detailed murders that are very intricate as well, and one of them involved a live rat, and uh, oh, it was very jarring transitioning from that to, uh, you know, the beach and a pina colada, which I had many of because the legal drinking age in Mexico is eighteen, and I am twenty, and it was an all-inclusive restaurant, so I was not sober for much of that trip. So and, what you're saying is I should go to Mexico then? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and what's more is that for some reason when you're on vacation, daily day drinking is completely socially acceptable. <laughs> it's your it's your time away from being a respectable member of society. <laughs> uh, yeah. We were at me and my sister were at uh, the in pool bar, mm-hmm. and. Uh, People, like this family that actually ended up being from Kansas, like a real big family. Uh, one of them kept saying the phrase "donkey semen," uh, <laughs> or specifically "donkey semen," uh, <laughs> and I kept telling my sister that he, dude, this guy's fucking talking about donkey semen, and she th- just was convinced we misheard. <laughs> and then I, uh, I saw that he had these like shots in his hand, and I asked the bartender what, what donkey semen was, and apparently it's like this shot that involves banana rum and like this frothy cream substance i don't know what it was uh but we started getting shots of donkey semen and uh we enjoyed those and then i asked him if he knew any other crazy shots and he was like uh he suggested we have a shit on the grass can you can you just really quickly for me say i marad shalky love donkey semen i mean the aftertaste of donkey semen is kind of weird like it's very banana runcy, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. But it, 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 go down easy. Donkey semen goes down smooth. <laughs> uh, so he suggested we have a shit on the grass, and I was like, "Yes, that sounds phenomenal." <laughs> and he poured this like green melon liqueur thing uh, that also had that same like frothy top to it. And then mm-hmm. I was like, "What makes it a shit on the grass?" And then he puts a little bit of Hershey's syrup into each one. And as it goes through the creamy part and then goes into the transparent green part, it comes out like a lump of shit at the bottom <laughs> of the shot glass. Uh, oh, we're such an inventive people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, the thing is, I kept wanting shots of donkey semen, but I even, my me with being super comfortable with the obscene and uh, I guess homoerotic because I'm ingesting <laughs> something that is produced by... Uh, male creatures um i couldn't i didn't have it in me to keep saying more donkey semen please <laughs> so the thing is is that somebody had forgotten their shots of donkey semen and the bartender bartender jesus said uh you forgot your vitamins and i was like two more vitamins please <laughs> that uh, is a good man oh I, I fucking jesus knew how to fucking party yeah um uh, 
Yeah, I read American Psycho. <laughs> that was why I brought that up. <laughs> that was American the whole... Psycho's real good. I don't have anything uh, very insightful to say about American Psycho. But I also watched a lot of movies. And uh, two of them I'll go through real quick. Uh, I saw Spotlight, which is the uh, true story of uh, how the Boston Globe broke the uh, Catholic Church uh, child molestation scandal. Oh, damn. Uh, in the in 2001 i believe and it has an incredible ensemble it has like michael keaton uh mark ruffalo what's the the lady from true detective's name rachel mcadams yeah rachel mcadams oh okay uh liev schreiber who's really good um trying to think they're also like every five minutes it's stanley tucci like every five minutes you watch that movie you're like oh shit it's that guy um or that girl um that was real good. Uh, it was real all the president's men uh, esque, which is an easy comparison to make, just because like you know that's the deep throat uh, investigation yeah. movie, but it is a lot like that. And like just watching journalists do journalism, which as somebody minoring in journalism is an encouraging thing to see. Um, and then I also saw Bone Tomahawk at the at the recommendation of our friend Carter. Which has Kurt Russell, um, Richard Jenkins, who you might re- not recognize the name, but if you Google image Richard Jenkins, you'll immediately know who he is. Uh, just a really good character actor. And it's a really cool horror western. Uh, I can't, like, like if I were to write out the story of that movie, it would be like two paragraphs maybe, so I can't really give any details without spoiling things. But it is a really cool, like, take on... Um, like cannibal horror movies okay. Uh, though like carter told me it was like an instant classic and stuff like that and i took that with a bit of a grain of salt because when i get really excited about a movie i've seen in theaters i'm very quick like i once told somebody inception was like one of the best movies i'd ever seen you know what i mean (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's that's that was before the internet ruined uh inception um but uh so that was real good. What's going to take a little while to talk about, though, and I know I'm, this is a bit of a monologue, but um, I saw Creed because everybody told me to see Creed. I like, thought Creed was going to be really good. I'm a big Michael B. Jordan fan. I thought it was a cool... Yeah, but like based off what? Like that fucking found footage superhero movie? Chronicle I thought was cool. Fruitvale Station's really good. Yeah, I do need to see that. He was in terrific. Parenthood, which was a NBC show, so... Not he a, was good in The Wire, and he was, like, young as shit in The Wire. I still need to watch The Wire. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe I'll do that over break. But I was excited, Michael B. Jordan, and I thought it was a good way to do a reboot without it being just a reboot. You that's know? what I thought. That's what I thought. Because I knew at the end of the day that's all they were doing, but yeah. at least it wasn't the same way everybody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Like it got a really high Metacritic score for a uh, for a blockbuster, and I try not to like let Metacritic dictate my culture consumption decisions. But uh, like basically, Metacritic tells me a movie is bad, and I thought the movie looked good or interesting. I will still see the movie because oftentimes I disagree with Metacritic. But, like, when I really pay attention to Metacritic is, like, when a movie I don't expect to be great ends up being really good. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, so, like, I I had a 
passive interest in Creed based off some of the trailers I saw, but I just figured they were good trailers. Um, mm-hmm. And then I saw that it got something like an 82 on Metacritic, and I was like, holy shit, I, you know, like, Bill Simmons keeps telling me to watch this thing. Uh, it's getting good, like, usually for, like, a blockbuster to be good, it gets the Metacritic in, like, the 70s, and this was mm-hmm. above that. So yeah. I was like, you know what? I, like... Sometimes I get accused of being like a movie snob, but I love a good blockbuster more than anybody else. Like Mad Max, I saw in theaters like oh, five Mad Max fucking is times. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so I went with my friend Robert, who I mentioned previously, and uh, I was real excited about it. And it was one of the worst movies I've seen in theaters. <laughs> and I realized, like, oh God, they did it. They beat me. The marketing machine won. Like, I just believed everything. Why was it bad? Without spoiling anything, why was it bad? So it was, like, the most... It was, like, the highest budget, low budget movie I'd ever seen in my life. And I'll explain that. Um, I had... I made a point of watching the original Rocky a couple days before, just because I thought I had seen it, but it turns out I was thinking of Rocky Mm -hmm. 2. So I watched it, and it's, like... It's definitely, like, as far as Best Picture winners, it's not, like, at the top of the pack, but it was a very enjoyable, if somewhat dated movie. And I mean dated in the sense of, like, Rocky's actually, like, really creepy and rapey, but, like, for the time, it was just interpreted as endearing. Yeah. Uh, But I could suspend my disbelief and have, like, a good time watching it. And, like, Rocky 1 was really low budget, like... Because, like, I'm as if I'm remembering correctly, like, Stallone was really poor when they made it. It was basically made in his, like, backyard neighborhood in Philly. Uh, oh, wow. That's pretty cool. So, like, there are moments when you see him boxing in, like, the arena and you, like, look in the background and you can, like, see empty seats and stuff like that. But it has, like, to be, like, generic, it has heart. And, you know, you can get Yeah, it's kind of endearing it. from that. Creed, there is never a moment during a fight in Creed, except one that, like, takes place in a boxing gym, where you, like, it's not, it's so clear it's on a blue screen, or a green screen, or whatever, and, um, Oh, really? Even then, like, I could maybe deal with that, because the fight choreography was good, but it ca- it, it constantly cuts to crowd reactions, and it cuts to real people, but the thing is, the way that they frame it, like, it's only, like, a tight cluster of people, and you never see the fans in relation to the boxing ring, so it's really clear that it's just, like, a small sound stage, and they got a bunch of extras to crowd together and cheer. Mm. Um, and, and the only times you see, like, an outside perspective of the boxing ring, it is so clearly CGI. Oh, man. That's... Yeah, and, okay, <clears throat> even then, even then, like, okay, that's just something that comes with modern filmmaking. But that was one of the most rushed stories I've ever seen in my fucking life. Like, any time they introduce an interesting plot point that you think they might hold for the rest of the movie to, like, build tension and stuff like that, and maybe it, like, builds up to a a way more interesting, way higher impact climax, like, they instead resolve it in, like, 45 seconds. Like, can I give you a mild spoiler example, even though you can tell in the previews? Yeah. Like, so Rocky's sick, right? Uh huh. Um, so when he finds out the diagnosis, they're like, "Hey, you've got Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, you should start chemo, but you're probably gonna die." 
uh, but the chemo can buy you a year. And he's like, nah, I, I, I've seen what chemo does to people. I can't blah, 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 blah. So you're like, okay, that's really interesting. Like, he's not going to do the chemo. He's like, he told the doctor to keep it under wraps. He'll probably like keep this in his like back pocket. And we, like Creed won't know to like just before his big fight or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, instead, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. 30 seconds later, in the same day, they make it clear that it's the same day. Uh, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan finds chemo brochures in Rocky's, like, jacket pocket in the locker room. And you're like, what the hell, man? And, chemo and, brochures. Yeah, and, and just so many things happen like that. Like, Bill Simmons really hyped up, like, the girlfriend character as being, like, he hyped up Creed in general as being, like, a really progressive, like, really, like, this is what the modern times are like. But, like, the girlfriend character is just as two-dimensional as every other girlfriend character in, like, sports movies like this. Like, there's a part where he basically fucks up her entire career as a singer, and she's like, okay, I forgive you, I love you, baby. Um, <laughs> but also, like, there are so... There are, like, fucking five times in that movie where, like, like Rocky in one scene is, like, drawing out, like, a, a boxing maneuver, like, on a piece of paper to, like, describe mm-hmm. to Creed. And then uh, he, like, gestures to, like, hand the paper to Creed, but Creed just takes a picture of it with his phone. Uh, and he's like, don't you want the paper? And he's like, nah, man, I got it right here. And it's like, oh, kids these days. <laughs> uh, and then there's, like, another part where he's, like, watching a fight on his iPad, and, like, Rocky's like, I don't know about this. Uh, and the <laughs> singer-girlfriend character is the most, like, like some 45-year-old white man, like, heard Fantagram for a second. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and like I kept looking to Robert like like I'm not crazy right like I can't be the and like Robert was like every time I looked at him he looked equally incredulous and like disgusted by what he saw That's so those disappoint- were the movies I saw disappointing to hear about um, Creed uh, firstly because I thought it was going to be an Assassin's Creed movie secondly <laughs> Because what, do you I've really want one of those? Like, story is the good part of Assassin's Creed? Well, they're doing one, apparently. And do you know who plays Altair? Um, Morgan Freeman. Michael Fassbender. Okay, I got a little hard there for a second. Exactly! Michael, nah, he's but, so but cool. Like, but it's such bullshit. Altair means the flying one in Arabic, and he has an Arabic mentor, and it's clear that he's Arabic, even though Ubisoft makes a point of making their characters white, even if they're of a different... Um, ethnicity like why not cast like god damn it i can't name a single middle eastern actor <laughs> except omar sharif and that I, I think he died oh damn but um yeah well hearing this about creed because i was excited for it to be a a good michael b jordan movie b a cool reboot and c just another cool blockbuster to see and it apparently was none of the was michael b jordan at least good in it like, it's not like he had the opportunity to be good. It's not oh, like... Oh, man. Damn. Like, with what he was given, I guess he was fine. And, like, oh. fucking Bill Simmons fucking lied to me. I swear to God, he was like, dude, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone's getting Oscar buzz. <laughs> and I was super excited. I was like, this is gonna be, like, a big, like, return to form. Like, it's gonna be, like, how Michael Keaton, like, revalidated his career, like, like only recently even though he was like a big star before uh mm-hmm. so i was expecting that kind of like revival of a career mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Well, I don't know. Star Wars is coming out, so we have I that. Don't to give to. a shit. How do you not? He, what here's is my this? thing with Star Wars. I love the aesthetic, like the design, and mm-hmm. like. Yeah, I love the aesthetic. I especially the audio too. Like I love the sound effects. I love the vehicles. Um, yep. When they talk, though, I don't like it when they talk. That is why I don't like any of the Star Wars movies. I don't hate them, but I don't like any of the Star Wars movies. I mean, the prequels are real bad, but I watched the prequels when I was little, and I thought the prequels were good because I was little. So, like, I even even though I know they're terrible, I don't hate them. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't really like any of them. But I am a real big Star Wars video game fan. Like, I really loved Republic Commando. Uh, KOTOR was... I never got to play KOTOR, but it was something I looked up, like... I like yeah, I heard Cold looked War up really videos good. of it constantly and like read every review of it I could, <clears throat> and I played a shitload of Battlefront, um, like the uh, original and then the sequel, and I even got the reboot, which I know is like objectively kind of a mediocre game, but I like ev- like the presentation is so gorgeous and mm. it like has enough of that Star Wars feel to it that I enjoy it. I just don't fucking like when they fucking talk. You forgot to mention the Force Unleashed two. How dare you, sir? That is a bad game. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, okay. It's quite... It's first quite one was... Okay. First one was cool. I like the character. I'm a big fan the of... The first uh, level, it peaks at... Like, it sucks when it peaks in the introduction. <laughs> a little bit. Um, when you say you don't like the parts where they talk, you just mean the actors are bad? No, I just... Or... I, I've, never fa- I've never been compelled by the story of Star Wars. Which, to be fair... Um, I saw the three prequels, and I saw episode four, um, and I saw bits and pieces of five and six. I did not watch the complete ones, and I'm told five is the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, people love A New Hope, and yeah. I, like, was almost dozing off by the end of New They're just, like, slow, shitty westerns to me. I, you know? <clears throat> my thing with Star Wars is that the story isn't anything life-changing, but... For a movie that looks that cool, and is a blockbuster, it has one of the better stories, I'll say, that you'll get out of a blockbuster. But you were raised with Star Wars, right? No. I'm, no. Not, as, I'm not as much on the train of, like, a lot of people <clears throat> our age are on that train of, oh, the second three movies, or the prequels are just garbage, and you're not a real fan if you enjoy any parts of them, and the first ones are so good... And it's the best adventure story of all time. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. I'm sorry, it's not. But for what it is, it is one of the best of that, which is a blockbuster movie. It is. It has one of the better stories you'll find in a blockbuster movie. And like you said, the universe and the mythology of Star Wars is really cool. And I'm extremely excited for the new one. Because I thought J.J. Abrams did a pretty good job with the Star Treks. Yeah, I, f- I felt that, like, the original, like, Star Trek reboot, like, the first one, was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it deviated from what Star Trek was, which is basically armchair politics. Um, <laughs> but it was, like, like a really good modernized take on it. And then the sequel wasn't bad, but it felt almost, like, it felt, like, way smaller in scale. Um, so it felt like Star Trek 2 should have been Star Trek 1, and Star Trek 1 should have been Star Trek 2. Really? The Wrath of Khan? I thought that one went crazy. See, like, that's how forgettable that movie was, is I forgot Khan was a character, even though I remember Benedict Cumberbatch. 
I'm kind of I'm kind of excited for the the new Star Trek trailer actually that came out the other day. Was it for the TV show or the movie? Or is there a movie? I don't know. There's a new movie coming out now. Oh. Uh, uh, you know, there's a TV show also, right? Is there? Yeah, and apparently, I think it's going to be like exclusive to the CBS streaming service. Really, really yeah. hitting your market there, aren't you, Star Trek? Well, I mean, I don't know. I un cord cutting, man. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, HBO is really smart to say like, "Hey, fuck it! If you don't have cable or satellite, you can still have HBO." Yeah, because for a um, long time HBO Go was something you only got if you had the channel, and now you can have that. Just and now you can just pay ninety nine a month. Yeah, yeah, which is great. I think that's great. Um, but to backtrack, I will let you know how the new Star Wars is because I'm very excited for it. If I'm not I see the... Star Wars, it'll be like two weeks after it comes out, so I don't have to like kill a family to go see it comfortably. No! Oh, so I was telling Tyler's really excited to see it, and we're gonna go see it. And I told him I don't want to see it opening day, or maybe even for three days after. Because I have a few memories of movies that have that type of cult following the day they come out. So Dude, I any saw... opening day movie... I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. Go ahead. So I saw episode three the day it came out. Like My whole family got together because I didn't grow up loving Star Wars, but my older siblings did and my dad did. <clears throat> so we all went and saw episode three the day it came out. It was great. And um, there's a point in the... So first off, a bunch of people are dressed up. And I think that's a bit much. I'm all about Comic-Con and cosplay. I think that's great. Cool culture. I, I just don't think a movie theater is the place for that. And there's a so you've seen episode three, right? Uh, yeah. Do you remember? I saw it on you... my birthday. I was like, I did care about Star Wars when I was little. Oh, nice. So, do you remember the part where? And sorry if I'm spoiling anything for anyone who lives under a rock. Oh, fuck off! It came but out. The... It came out literally ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. So the part where Yoda is fighter fighting Emperor Palpatine. So dumb. That was so dumb. Keep going. So there's a part where Yoda throws the Emperor and says a Yoda thing. And this man, two rows ahead of me and slightly to the right, plops down his popcorn bucket on the ground, stands up and applies and says, go Yoda, and does a fist pump and sits back down. And I never want to see something like that again in my life. I went and saw, like, uh... LCD Sound System had a documentary about, like, ending LCD Sound System. That mm. when it was in theaters, it was in theaters for, like, a day only. And uh, oh, nice. it was only in, like, the major cities like Chicago, New York, and L.A. But I happened to have been visiting my sister in Chicago at the time, so I actually got to go to a screening of it. And it was real good, except there was a couple that needed to let everybody know how cute a couple they were. So, like, during one of the amazing, like, live concert segments... Of him and Madison Square Garden, they felt the need to get up and dance, like, oh, I just like don't... do a swing dance thing to it. It's this... fucking upsetting. But also, like, I was gonna say, like, any movie that has a reasonable opening day crowd is horrendous. Like, I saw Drive the day it came out because I was really excited about it, and like, there is a part at the end of Drive where you are unsure about the condition of somebody. Uh, and it's a very tense, slow reveal about said condition. And mm-hmm. uh, somebody's <clears throat> phone went off immediately, and the guy picked up and answered. Like, Ugh, and just, the thing is, is the movie cut to credits ten seconds later. Like, I, I fucks it up so bad. People don't understand. It's like how Louis hates hecklers. 
Because yeah. people seem to conveniently forget the fact that this show is not at all about you in any way, shape, or form. Oh, I don't think they forget that. I think they make a conscious effort to make it about them. <laughs> like, uh, when I saw Django, it was pretty close to it coming out, and I was there alone, and the theater was mostly white people. And that fact is important because there was a consensus laughter every time the N-word was uttered in that movie. Yeah, which, no, that happened was a in my theater, too. gratuitous amount. Which... Like, maybe not every instance, but, like, you remember the part where he's like, oh, it's a, a nigger on a horse. And, like, everybody just Oh, laughed. the Big Daddy The Big Daddy scene, yeah. I can't it just... What? The Big Daddy scene. Who's Big Daddy? That's That's what they call the... The Colonel Sanders-looking plantation owner, I think. I think his name is Big Daddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like... Like, I get you laughing at the outfit or something like that, but you're literally laughing at him saying uh, an epithet on a horse. Yeah, just... It's... It was, like, I, it's... there were a lot of parts of that movie that were intended to be funny, and I do not think that that was one of them. Yeah, you know, the KKK scene where they're... Where they're oh, that was hilarious. Complaining... Hilarious! Um, that's why I hesitate to see movies in theaters when they're popular, because of things like that, where yeah. people are like, oh, this is my time to be a cool, famous person, and I just, I, I can't. forgot to tell you the biggest fuck you of Creed. Oh, uh, what is it? I don't care if it's a spoiler, I want to know. So you know how Rocky's, like, big on training montages, right? Yes. So, I love a good montage, that's like why, mm-hmm. that's... Like, that's why shows like The Wire and Breaking Bad are incredible. Because oh, like, yeah. you, you remember, like, cooking meth. And mon- yeah, oh my god, those montages are incredible. Yeah. Um, there's a montage in Creed where Creed trains, which is to be expected and also to be desired. Like, that is one of the reasons I go and see a Rocky movie, is because montages are the shit. Mm-hmm. Um... However, this montage occurs after it is revealed to both Rocky and Creed that Rocky has Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, Rocky agrees to do chemo. Can you see where I'm going with this? Is it a montage of Rocky getting chemo and Creed training? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's disgusting. It was so disgusting. (laughs) That's awful. Oh no. I apologize to any of our listeners who had that spoiled, but, you know, shit's already spoiled, so I don't feel too bad. Oh my, that's awful. (laughs) That's so stupid. Look at this chemo. So it's like Creed jumping rope and lifting weights and then him helping Rocky puke and then back to him on, like, doing weights. Oh, it's so sweet. It's like they're training each other. Yeah, Mm. and it's like... Like, there's, like, a part where you see, like, Rocky all chemoed the fuck up and he doesn't have his hair anymore or his eyebrows, which Sylvester Stallone without eyebrows. Oh, my God, that is a sight to see. Um, but then <laughs> at the end of the movie, like, and this isn't a spoiler about the end of the movie, but, like, they don't resolve Rocky's cancer situation. It's not like he's cured by the end or anything. They kind of just don't mention it, which I think is actually a good decision to make. Mm-hmm. Um like he has his eyebrows back. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that was the only reason that Michael B. Jordan was fighting was to raise money for prosthetic eyebrows for Rocky. That's the whole plot of the movie. 
and you missed it, and that's why you think it was bad. That was a bad fucking movie. <laughs> I also uh, started watching Fargo. Oh uh, yeah, that was a really a... good movie. No, 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 not the movie. The uh, well, I'm TV just show. is is the show similar to the movie? I mean, it's executive produced by the Coen Brothers. Okay, well, I uh, like the movie. But it, it's based on a true story, which I and they like the intro of it is them saying it's a true story and everything like the names of the survivors have been changed. But out of respect for the dead, the story has been uh, told exactly as it occurred. And they like that's their intro sequence, basically, mm-hmm. is that they overlay that over whatever opening scene there is, uh, okay. which is very effective. But it's just such an intricate story with so many details and so many coincidences that I'm really interested to see how much of it was factual because mm-hmm. like I've been hesitant to l- look it up because like if I read about things that happened that, that those are spoilers like when I uh, watched Boardwalk Empire we had a unit in my history class about prohibition and I was like fuck I got spoilers on like who dies <laughs> and shit like that uh, so I haven't looked it up yet but it's weird it's like a slow burn but the thing is it's it's not like how, like how Mad Men is a slow burn where it kind of or like The Wire especially is a slow burn where it kind of tests your patience at the beginning and you're wondering like what the fuck is the hubbub about all this mm-hmm. um, and then all of a sudden it's amazing it starts out good and it stays good but it it's only like this level of good where like this is a solid show and like that's it so it feels kind of lightweight and then it just fucking goes places and the thing is is we started this podcast after i finished the second to last episode of the first season and uh, i'm fucking dying to uh, wrap it up billy bob thornton the ensemble is amazing billy bob thornton is incredible martin freeman is really 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 fucking good i always love martin freeman though um mm-hmm. Bob Odenkirk is like one of the most frustrating characters you will ever watch, and I mean that in a terrific way. Like he, he's like plays the chief of police, and he's like the most incompetent piece of shit, like <laughs> whose very existence impedes justice. Not because he's evil, just because he's an incompetent piece of shit. Uh, it's got Colin Hanks. Uh, I'm not sure who plays Deputy Solverson, but she's really good. Uh, yeah, I've been watching that. I finished Mad Men, which, oh my fucking god, Matt. I, like, that, it wrapped up in, like, March or something like that, but the thing is about Mad Men is, like, every time a season ends and a new one begins, I forget where I am slash what's happened. Mm-hmm. So I was, I thought I was two seasons behind, but in reality, like, so I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure I stopped watching after season five. So I decided to, re like, to, like, watch season six pick up where I left off, and I realized by the end of season six that I had seen the entire season already. <laughs> uh, but what, what separates, like, I do have that, like, what I'm going to call the inception effect, where, like, right afterwards I'm immediately declaring that it's, like, the best thing ever, uh, mm-hmm. and, like, maybe being a bit hyperbolic about things. But I've had, it's been a couple weeks since I finished it, and I think I could confidently say that it's my favorite show. Like, Mad Men? Uh, of, yeah, of any show, period. Ever? Yeah. More um, than The Wire and Breaking Bad? Like, I think so, because the thing wow. is, is The Wire is this amazing look into the reality of both crime and its investigation and all the flaws in both sides and how nobody, neither of them are really the good guy or the bad guy. Like, you can't, it's just too comp- complex to mm-hmm. reduce it to such basic thing, like terms like that. 
And then Breaking Bad, which is this amazing exercise in Pulp Fiction and, like, one of the most suspenseful things I've ever seen. And so artfully done in its editing and cinematography and blah, 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 blah. Thing is about Mad Men is it has both of those things. But the thing is, is it's a soap opera. So, like, at the end of the day, like, lives aren't at stake. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it is ultimately a story of privileged people. But what's amazing about Mad Men is how much you learn about yourself when you watch it. Hmm. Because it's all about advertising, which appeals to, like, like, there's a famous, like, monologue in the first season, which is, like, that, which to, it's a John Hamm monologue, and to reduce it to, like, the basic message of it is, like, advertising exists to tell you that you're okay. Uh, And that's, like, the goal of every ad is to tell you you're, you're okay, and this thing will help you be okay. So over the course of the course of the story, which takes place from the late fifties to the end of the sixties, like you get to see an amazing perspective on like huge historical events while at the same time learning about like how media has evolved and also how you are part of the machine. And it's, it's just fucking fantastic. Uh, I'll have to check it out. Um, and it, it also has the uh, that top tier of um, The Wire and Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Um, it maybe has the most effective cut to credits, uh, though Breaking Bad was pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. um, but also, I I, I, sh- I feel like I should mention, just because I feel like it's like a perennially, a perennially underrated show, Boardwalk Empire like peaked as high as those shows to me. Like okay. they end, they ended it prematurely because the the writers and directors and stuff wanted to move on to a new project, which is going to be like this show about the seventies and rock and roll that'll like come out in a year or two. And I think Bobby Cannavale starts Cannavale Cannavale. I don't know stars in it, but that cut to credits was fucking fucking phenomenal. Hmm. Uh, really a tragedy of a show like bill like at every juncture that uh show was hit like by was a victim of circumstances out of its control like actors leaving early for other projects so they have to like adjust the storyline uh even though they did so phenomenally and then like by the time like at the end of season i think it was four i think four is the second to last season at the end of season four they introduce so many new characters, and, and they're all really interesting, and you're really excited about their character arcs. And then they're like, okay, we're going to end the show next season, so we're going to do a huge time jump and just finish it in five episodes. Damn. Uh, but it, it still was a hell of five episodes. All right, I am talking too much. I have finished my culture consumption wrap-up of the past couple weeks. Um, uh, if you want to move on to your uh, literature reading, and I know me and you have listened to a lot of the same albums that we could yeah. talk about. So, uh, what you've been reading? I read The Speech. It's a book. <clears throat> it's basically just uh, written. It's Bernie. He gave a filibuster of a bill that was presented <clears throat> to extend the Bush tax cuts. Mm-hmm. And he did an eight and a half hour filibuster of that. So, that's what that was. It was a really cool view at just what a filibuster is. Some of What's the, the name of the book? The speech. Okay. And he talks about some of the politics that are involved in why why Republicans 
designate money the way they do and what their intentions are with that. Because when you think about conservative, <clears throat> just the word, it, it sounds like they would be the ones who want to save money and who are smart about it. But you look at the things that they try to cut, which are things like Social Security, uh, Medicaid, things like that. <clears throat> and he says that that's why they're comfortable giving tax cuts to millionaires and billionaires and people who are well off. Because then they can turn back and say, look at how our government is spending money. We have to cut things like Social Security. Mm. So it was an interesting view about some of those politics and just eight and a half hours of things I love to hear from my favorite politician. So that was a good read. I read Feminism is for Everybody, which is a great book. I think people should read that. And it's kind of examined the feminist movement over the years and how it's a movement that is beneficial to everyone, not just women. And how it's not a anti-male movement, and how it's a movement for all races, all sexual orientations. It's not just about. It's a pure equality movement. Uh. Uh, and it's kind of. I like that one a lot because it was easy to draw parallels between feminism, and like other civil yeah, rights movements. Yeah, and other civil rights movements because it's. All of them have been distorted in some way over time. And if you look at the way the group in power responds to it, it's almost always the same. Yeah. Uh, white people try and say that pro-black movements are anti-white. Men try to say that feminist movements are anti-male. Yeah. And it was... Uh, you want to laugh? Go look up the men's rights uh, subreddit. And see a bunch of these privileged assholes like victimizing themselves. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the most infuriating thing to me in those arguments is when the people in power victimize themselves. Like, oh, I'm being so I'm being terrible. persecuted for my yeah, genitalia. Persecuted is the word, or just yeah. anything. I, um, I read this quote. It said, "Equality feels like oppression to privileged people." And that just, that sums it up so well. Is that yeah, that, well, that does. It's just, and it's not, I don't particularly blame people for that being the initial response because it's been proven over time that that's human nature to respond that way. That if you're in power and someone uh, tries to take that away in any way, your response is to attack that person. But <clears throat> it's just interesting to see how that's, consistent no matter what the system of oppression is yeah you know um i assume that like me you had a big span of ignorance in your life just as yeah. male about like feminism and i don't know for lack of a better term like the female condition you know what i mean yeah yeah big time yeah so after being made aware of that and all the discrepancies and all the casual injustices and whatnot in like mm -hmm. media and just general like uh just how absolutely oblivious the average man is to like female biology and stuff like that yeah uh and then things like the that abortion uh, i don't know if trial is the word uh 
hearing where the like experts on abortion were all male. Oh, Roe uh, versus Wade. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was that Roe versus Wade? Yeah, that's the, well, that's the big one. Yeah. I was thinking of something that happened in like the last five years. Oh. Um. Oh, are you talking about the Senate hearing? For yes. The... Oh yeah, they were. It's, yeah. Yeah. The way they attack her is yeah. so. It's just gross. Yeah. It's it's really just. So after, like, and this is with the help of a very strong feminist sister, after being made aware of all that stuff, it makes a lot of things that I used to enjoy, like, a lot harder to swallow. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, I brought up my, like, indignity at the fact that Bill Simmons, or indignation, I should say, at at the the fact that Bill Simmons told me Creed was fucking good. Um, Mm Yeah. Like, I was reading the book of basketball recently, and you just see all those casual, like, player comparisons to, like, a girl, like, you used to date, or, like, a slut, or something like that. Yeah. Even though he doesn't actually use the word slut, but, you know, that's what he means. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I listen to his podcast every, every, like, almost every podcast he puts up, I listen to it. And, like, he had Katie Nolan on, who's, like, a female sports journalist, and she, like, he immediately, before she even brought it up told her, like, I don't want to talk about how women are, like, victimized on social media, because everybody is. It's social media. Everybody's a dick. And it's like, yeah, yeah, Bill, but I don't think people threaten to rape you. Like... Yeah, that's... That is a very good point you make, that once you realize how... how misogyny is just such a casual thing that we're all a part of, it's... It surprised me a lot. I think of very casual things that I do and say and how harmful they are and how innocent they were in my head, but how when you really look at it, it, how it promotes a certain idea, how the idea idea of friend zoning is very harmful. Oh, yeah. We addressed that in a previous podcast. We also fucked up in a previous podcast, like, while I was editing it, I noticed that we referred to women as a minority, and I think we meant that in terms of power, in, yeah. when in reality they technically make up the majority of the mm-hmm. world's population by, like, a percent. I think they, I think the world's, like, yeah. 51% female. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, being made aware of these issues and in that way becoming a feminist myself, I have a cool, not cool, because it's not fun... But, like, mm-hmm. I have an interesting perspective into what it's like to be a white guy who exactly. knows that civil rights are, like, fucked up and they empathize with minorities and want to help minorities. But at the same time, they're just a white dude, so they, like, fuck up a lot still. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that's exactly what I do as a male. Exactly. That's, um, I'm, so I'm on this website called Cora. I think I told you about it, where you answer questions with other people about things. Yeah. And... It's just Yahoo Answers, right? It's it's more it's more like it's kind of somewhere between Facebook and Yahoo Answers. I think okay. it was more interaction. But there was a question a guy asked and it said, uh, what's it like to be called a racist when you aren't a racist? And I answered it just with the people look at racism as an evil thing. It's not always evil. Just We've spoken about that before. Mm-hmm. And I thought about how hard it was and still is sometimes for me to accept the fact that I benefit from uh, the patriarchy I'll say 
and how sometimes I feed into it and act on it unconsciously. And it was a weird way of kind of identifying with racist people. Because I'm not an evil person, and I consider myself a supporter of the feminist movement, but I know that I still say and do things that are contrary to that. And it just gave me, it kind of let me switch places with them for a bit. Doesn't it also help you empathize with the uh, poor, kind-hearted white guy? Yeah, yeah, the guy who feels like... Who just keeps fucking up, even though he has every good intention. Yeah. um, A friend of mine, Cassie, she brought up a guy in her class who... He's a white guy, and it was in her... One of her sociology classes, I want to say. And the teacher asked everyone, why don't white people speak out more about social issues concerning race? And no one had an answer he really liked until a white guy answered and said, because I feel like no matter what I say, people are going to attack me or feel like my answer is wrong or feel like I'm being condescending in some way. And it's just, it kind of shows how tough it can be to walk that line between a supporter of the movement without, I'll say, stepping on their toes. Yeah, or like begging for acceptance yeah because i'm completely down i think it's important i think it's necessary for white people to join in the pro-black movement equality movement but there's only so much understanding they can get without living the life so then it's their job to know when to step back and say not my place to speak and then realizing that i have to have the same realizations as a man where I can only say so much about feminism before mm-hmm. it becomes overstepping my boundaries. Yeah, in my like media history class, there was a discussion about objectification of women in the media, and it was something that I was very well aware of. But then we were shown examples of certain things and then asked to like give our impressions of it. And then I, may, I, I, I raised my hand a shitload in that class. Or mm-hmm. I did. I guess the class is over now. Uh, and I immediately, like, as it was coming out of my mouth, I realized, like, because we, like, we get, we watched a comparison between, like, the original Charlie's Angels uh, intro sequence and then the reboot uh, intro sequence. And we were asked, like, describe the differences between the two. And I was like, well, in the second one, they actually give them, like, personalities and, like, don't objectify them. And then every, every girl in the classroom was like, eh, like, you totally. <laughs> and then explained to me how I fucked up. And they were absolutely right that I fucked up. And I was like, man, I sympathize with that white guy who was tripping all over himself to let me know about how much he uh, Feels accepts my... all people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough. And that's. That book really taught me a lot about how to properly try to advocate for something without having to be a leader. Because there's only so much that a man can add to the voice of feminism, just like there's only so much a white person can add to the voice of racial minorities. Yeah. And okay, it's, well, oh, sorry. It. I was just going to say it's a... Uh, it's a good way to kind of understand some other sides of the argument. Because I, I understand where I am in America. It's just a, a black man as an oppressed person. But it's hard to 
I think a lot of issues with activist movements are that they forget that other people are oppressed too, and also that they aren't aren't willing to accept help from outside of their community. So yeah. one one big part in the book is that the feminist movement over time fell into this trap of becoming it only benefited white women who were well off financially. So you had them become the voice in the movement because they felt like being a woman was the most important issue. So they yeah. didn't care that being a black woman too was a double whammy or that just being black in general was a problem. And it helps me understand that it's hard to ignore other people's issues of oppression while advocating for your own. At least for me personally. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. Um, what else have you been reading? I read, I reread The Watchmen just because that. Yeah, is that used to be in like a semi annual tradition for me. Oh, it's so good. I love mm-hmm. it. And I'm currently reading Decision Points. That's George Bush's book. Because it was recommended to me by my roommate, Jake. He's a Republican one, if you forget. And Mm -hmm. I'm always down for book recommendations. And I was interested to see what was going through George Bush's head. At critical junctures. Yeah, because that's how the book is written. He says, I want to tell the story of my life and presidency Uh through key decisions or key moments. And why I fucked up the world for quote-unquote millennials. Yeah, he did. He... I said this to you uh, once before. I don't think he's evil. And I have a very big problem with that statement. What, what's what's your specific problem with that statement? It might be what... I don't uh, know. Maybe the entire clusterfuck he caused in the Middle East about a fake thing that didn't actually exist with ulterior economic and re- resource motives that sent the region into a spiral that it was like... It was already in a spiral. He just immensely exacerbated said spiral based on lies. You got something for that? So, the war in Iraq was not a George Bush only thing. He was a leader in it, absolutely. Being the president of the United States, he had the biggest voice to say, no, let's wait this out. So, of course, he takes more fault than most other people. Mm -hmm. But... When I say he's not evil, in my opinion, I don't think he was doing things with malicious intents of, like, let's destroy cultures. I think he was greedy in the economic motivations he had that may have had to do with Iraq. And I think he... Iraq, please. Iraq, sorry. And, um... Sorry, I'm a stickler for that just because, like, saying Iran and Iraq are way more closer to how it's actually pronounced, and it is completely within the capabilities of the English tongue to pronounce that thing. You don't call Germ- Germany Germany, so why should you call yeah, it's, Iraq Iraq? It's weird that like a lot of people... I say it that way because I, I hear it on That's TV not your a fault. lot That's, that way. The media did it to you. That's just so weird that the entire media would just have that oversight and no one gives a shit. Also, like Iraq just sounds harsher you know what it I mean? does which might be uh harsher cal- syllables a calculated move by the media who knows um i think i i actually think it's because of how people read imac and ipod maybe 
Steve Jobs is the reason for our Islamophobia. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when you look at decisions he made, they weren't. It wasn't from a place of let's destroy Muslims. It was from a place of let's destroy destroy. Let's care. take advantage of a third world region. That's way better. I don't. I don't know if it was much about. Which is why I'm reading the book to see what motivations you can I can take out of that but I think he gets a rap I think a lot of people compare him to someone like Reagan or Nixon those but are like, men who I look back and I'm like they were evil yeah evil but like I feel who... like George Bush might have been a huge product of evil through incompetence the same way I described Bob Odenkirk's character in uh, Fargo where his incompetence enabled so much horrible wrongdoing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. George Bush enabled a lot of Which, people, like, after but... that point, the distinction of whether he's evil or not almost doesn't matter to me because he fucked everything up as bad as, as, bad as he possibly could. I've been drinking over the course that's... of this podcast, <laughs> yes. Oh, that's the only distinction I... It's an interesting distinction to make to me is because I feel like people have too much fun shitting on some presidents. Uh, like, fine, you can do that, but don't tell me you're super informed about something because you hate George Bush. He yeah. he, he was a bad president. That's true. That is so, a lazy way of trying to be good. The, the, over, the overwhelming majority of things he did while he was president were bad for the country and for the rest of the world whatever and also like i think of obama with rosy feelings and rose-colored glasses and every other rose metaphor mm -hmm. uh that dude is also allowing drone strikes to kill a lot of innocent people yeah. yeah he he um he gave a report i don't know if it was today or yesterday about how many successful drone strikes have been carried out which is successful is a weird word yeah and he was speaking with a sense of pride, and I don't think he—I don't think Obama's evil. And of course, he's but not also a, he's like kind of FDR 2.0. So like, you really want to like what he's done because he has done a lot of amazing things. Yeah, he's done good things, but I—I I meet a lot of people who subscribe to the Bill Clinton's one of the coolest, best presidents. That George, dude deregulated things so hard that giant oligopolies were able to form in every market from the media to oil to... Yes. Yes. That guy did also left a real bad footprint. Our economic collapse... Was his fault. Yeah. George Bush definitely didn't help it at all. Because of the deregulation. By and going the, to yeah. war. And George Bush didn't help it by um, instituting tax cuts that weren't helpful for anyone. But mm -hmm. we can't ignore that Bill Clinton got the wheels turning, and also that the world... I like to think that like George Bush is like standing, and then behind him is Dick Cheney in a tabletop position, and then Bill Clinton pushed him over Dick Cheney, and he fell down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just you you put but, it, but 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 George Bush signed off on it. He did. <laughs> he let he it did. happen. He did. But you think about things, people hate Reagan and Nixon for the war on drugs. Yeah, but, like, Reagan was literally Darth Vader. Yeah, no, they're, they're in my, in my 
opinion, I think they're evil. They were men who knew what they were doing. And sure, incompetence isn't something you want to forgive in the president of the fucking United States. Mm-hmm. But I think we should look at it in perspective versus an evil president, Ronald Reagan, and a guy who was really just a product of a fucked up political system. Look at who his dad was. His dad was George H.W. Bush, another bad president who I believe worked on the Nixon campaign, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, Dick Cheney was one of Nixon's top advisors, too. Yeah, Dick Cheney sucked. And Donald Rumsfeld. But, um, I don't know, I'm just interested to see that and kind of trying to educate myself to what was going through his head. Because I try not to affiliate with one party because if you look throughout history both parties have fucked people over at different points and it just so happens that right now the democratic party is what's good for the people i would say Mm -hmm. but i think somewhere down the line the republicans will figure it out and they'll have good ideas and i think it'll be important to know to kind of keep in my heart that republicans can have good ideas still Everyone who's running right now is a joke, but there will be and there can be good Republicans again. Yeah, that's a good mindset. Like I always go back to like Romney, early Romney being yeah. somebody I would have maybe voted for. Yeah, Romney wasn't so, but he was. He kind of left social issues alone, which is where Republicans lose me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he no, made... but he was like a proponent of certain. Th- but we've covered that in a previous podcast. Yeah, true. We're at an hour and eight minutes or, or like i'm uh rounding up um mm. before we get into it like what albums have you listened to since last time we spoke um there was the king cruel there was mm. uh i mean let me go through my recently edit really quick i don't know if i've listened to anything new very much I've okay been so i'm thinking yeah, and that'd be interesting to talk about even, but, like, I've listened to a lot of new albums, and I'm thinking, like, we could do, we could talk about albums, the only one we would be able to mutually discuss is the is the Archie Marshall um, mm-hmm. record, but I kinda, like, we've, would you say you've listened to more than ten great albums this year, or, like, ones you've really enjoyed? Um, I think so. You wanna do, like, a, a top, a top ten, ten year wrap-up? podcast would you want to do that save it for that and that way you'll have more time to like to like figure it out yeah i could do that okay Um, so do you want to just wrap it up now then yeah i'm all about Um, it uh, do you have anything else you or read or anything um no i just reread the watchman and i'm currently reading george bush's book uh okay i got a book from bernie sanders campaign in the mail okay let's uh let's wrap this thing up um very much enjoyed our discussion this uh episode installment whatever you want to call it i'm gonna start over again um (laughs) okay well uh let's just wrap it up here we were gonna talk about music but i think we're gonna do like a sort of year-end top 10 wrap-up thing because it's just been such a great year for music that that could be its own podcast uh look for that in the coming weeks um as always you can follow me at uh, Murad Shockey on Twitter, uh, also known as Dick Francisco. Uh, where can people follow you, Jameson? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jameson Christ. 
That's my Twitter handle, yes. You said Christ? Yes, Jameson okay. Christ. Okay. You got the whiskey and then the last name of Jesus. Uh, I know that guy. Yeah, good guy. <laughs> uh, you can you also, got a blog too, right? Yeah, you can also um, see the way I feel about some social issues or some cultural issues on my blog, jamesonsbrain.wordpress.com. We are generating uh, some nice traffic, but I'd like even more. Uh, as always, well, maybe not as always because uh, break's coming up and I may be out of uh, the area, but you can catch me on my weekly radio show on KUSF. You can let stream at KUSF.org every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, my most recent uh, show, I did a hour of... Uh, R&B, just because uh, that's kind of what my final studying soundtrack was. Uh, I try to do a theme for each episode. Um, sometimes I don't, though. But either way, I'd love for you to join me. Uh, that said, uh, thank you for listening to the Peak and Valley Podcast. We'll see you soon. Bye, Jameson. Bye.